This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, There is an old Greek saying that men are tormented not by things themselves, but by what they think about them. If that assertion could be proved to be always true everywhere, it would be an important point gained for the comforting of our wretched human condition. For if ills can only enter us through our judgment, it would seem to be in our power either to despise them or to deflect them towards the good. If the things actually do throw themselves on our mercy, Why do we not act as their masters and accommodate them to our advantage? If what we call evil or torment are only evil or torment insofar as our mental apprehension endows them with those qualities, then it lies within our power to change those qualities. And if we did have such a choice and were free from constraint, we would be curiously mad to pull in the direction which hurts us most, endowing sickness, poverty, or insolence, with a bad and bitter taste when we could give them a pleasant one. Fortune simply furnishing us with the matter and leaving it to us to supply the form. Let us see whether a case can be made for what we call evil not being an evil in itself, or, since it amounts to the same, whether at least it is up to us to endow it with a different savor or aspect. End quote. And those are the words of French philosopher Michel de Montaigne. He was born February 28, 1533, at Chateau de Montaigne in France and he died September 13, 1592, at the same location, at the age of 59. And Montaigne was raised in a wealthy family in France, as if the family chateau did not give it away. And this they owed largely to his great-grandfather's herring sales fortune. Yes, that's right, herring as in the fish. And during his time, and for many centuries after this, education was a homegrown thing. Montaigne's father designed his curriculum, and it was according to this plan that he was educated, including living for three years with a peasant family, which I initially balked at, but the explanation that I saw said that his father did that so that he could feel closer to the people, and, importantly, to appreciate what his wealthy family could do to help those that were less well-off than they were. So interesting, to be certain. And those were, of course, the first three years of his life. How much he remembers from that, I don't know, but... Imagine that today. Imagine taking a child. Imagine you are from a wealthy family, and you take a child, and you turn them over to a poor family and say, please give my child the poor person experience so that they can better appreciate the life of prosperity that they will have from that point forward. Thank you. Suffice it to say, I think the 16th century was pretty wild. But that was how Montaigne started his life. And Montaigne popularized, later in life, the essay as a literary tool, and he published many of them. You have doubtlessly written essays of your own, and you owe a lot of that back all the way to Montaigne. And in fact, his most popular book is called simply Essays. Now, it's Essays with an I instead of a Y, which is a little bit strange, but it's French after all. And today's quote comes from one such essay, published in a Stanford University Press compilation of such essays entitled creatively, The Complete Essays of Montaigne. And in the book, the 14th essay opens with this quote, 
and the essay itself, which is about 13 or 14 pages in length, was penned by Montaigne between 1572 and 1574. And to say that his essays were influential does them a huge disservice. Numerous writers have penned in the essayist style, and having researched many of them, I can say that author and essayist together is a very common term to describe most writers since then. In fact, the United States actually has a National Essay Day, which deliberately coincides with Montaigne's birthday, which is February 28th. That's pretty cool, I think. And the value, in particular, of today's quote is quite self-evident, I think. So let me once more read it for you, and we'll do our analysis. Quote, There is an old Greek saying that men are tormented not by things themselves, but by what they think about them. If that assertion could be proved to be always true everywhere, it would be an important point gained for the comforting of our wretched human condition. For if ills can only enter us through our judgment, it would seem to be in our power either to despise them or to deflect them towards the good. If the things actually do throw themselves on our mercy, why do we not act as their masters and accommodate them to our advantage? If what we call evil or torment are only evil or torment insofar as our mental apprehension endows them with those qualities, then it lies within our power to change those qualities. And if we did have such a choice and were free from constraint, we would be curiously mad to pull in the direction which hurts us most, endowing sickness, poverty, or insolence with a bad and bitter taste when we could give them a pleasant one. Fortune simply furnishing us with the matter and leaving it to us to supply the form. Let us see whether a case can be made for what we call evil not being an evil in itself, or, as it amounts to the same, whether at least it is up to us to endow it with different savor and aspect. End quote. And, as is often the case around here, the writer is far more eloquent in his origination than I can ever hope to be in my analysis, but we can try anyway. So, of course, Montaigne is speaking of our challenges or torments in life. And we know from previous episodes and just from our anecdotal experience alone that this is simply a part of the human experience and it is completely unavoidable. And despite that, we go to great lengths in an attempt to do just that, to avoid those pains and challenges and torments. And Montaigne is proposing that perhaps, maybe, just maybe, we can, instead of seeking to avoid those torments altogether, reframe them as much less potent than they are. He is, of course, saying that it's essentially, quote, all in our head, to a degree. And he advises that instead we should deflect them towards the good. Well, that's a neat idea, Mr. Montaigne. How do you propose that we go about doing that? Because while it's interesting, how do we do this in practice so that it actually benefits us? Well, I can say that looking at my own life, I've personally employed a couple of methods to do exactly what Montaigne is talking about here. One is to reframe challenges as learning opportunities, right? Something as simple as take a recent activity. I'm a man of a thousand unfinished projects around the home, and on a recent project, I had to make four trips back to my toolbox to retrieve a tool that I didn't anticipate for a job. And that was super frustrating. But rather than be tormented by it, sit there and say how stupid I am and get frustrated and probably do something dumb on the project that's going to make it worse. So instead, I used it as a lesson to ensure that I think fully through a job requiring tools in the future and gather them ahead of time. 
This is a small example, and for some of you it seems extremely obvious. If you're into cooking, you know that there is a French phrase, fittingly, called mise en place. And mise en place means essentially everything in its place. Which is what you see if you watch a cooking show, right? Most of the time, someone has done the prep work for whoever is the host of the show. Everything is in a nice, neat little bowl. It's all on a tray. That tray can be brought out or can be moved out of the way when you're done with it. And each thing is pre-measured and ready to go. Now, if you do that in your cooking at home, you're a far better person than I am. At the most, I'll gather all the spices and things ahead of time and at least have them there. But I'm still measuring individually as I go. Largely because I don't have 77 portion cups and an intern to fill them to make that happen. But the idea that the difficult way to do it is to start the recipe and then have to go to the cupboard and grab a spice and come back and then realize you forgot something else and go to the cupboard and grab another one and come back. The next step up is to maybe have all those spices out ahead of time. And the ultimate is to be fully prepared and have them laid out in front of you. So whether it's tools or spices, the point is taking a frustration, learning from something that could have been a torment and making it into an actual learning lesson for you is one way to reframe a challenge in life. Another is to view my own hardships and torments as experiential knowledge that one day will allow me to be uniquely suited to help others later in life to deal with their own similar situations. Now, my example here is a tough one. See, a few years ago, I lost three people very close to me by suicide in one year. Actually, it was within about six months' time. And this, of course, was a devastating period for me. It was really a true torment. I still think back to the year in which it happened and call it the worst year of my life. And if someone you know has died by suicide, then you know the kinds of things that go through your mind in the aftermath. And some of them never leave. But in all of that, while it took me some time to process and to grieve, it has since become my own unique qualification to help others considering or dealing with suicide. And I've given many group talks, and I've had many one-on-one -on -one conversations from a place of what I'll call torment-induced learning. And this method, in particular, for dealing with torment is extremely powerful. Why? Because it has the dual benefit of, in the immediate, alleviating some of the pain, perhaps eliminating it altogether. If I know that the reason that I'm going through something is so that I can help someone else go through it later, maybe it takes away the sting of what I'm doing right now. And the extension of that is that I'm actually repurposing it for good, for someone else, which has its own medicinal effect on the tormented heart. And all of that comes from just a change in perspective. And interestingly, as I was taking notes here, I actually wrote the words, a simple change in perspective, but then I ultimately struck out the word simple because, well, it, it's just not simple. This is very, very hard. Montaigne does not claim this is easy, and I'm not going to tell you that it is either. I still struggle with this to this day, but to paraphrase another quote on the subject by someone who I've recently done a quote about on this podcast, Sam Harris, he says, we all have to experience pain, but we need not experience it twice by choosing to relive it. So all of this can be accomplished by doing the same thing, as Montaigne would say, and controlling how we choose to receive the inevitabilities of life. As Montaigne says, if we have such a choice, and he's arguing that we do, and so am I, 
then we would be, quote, curiously mad, as he says it, or totally insane, as I say it, to choose to be in pain when we don't have to be. So this week, I think this is one of those easy calls to action. If you haven't figured it out already, Montaigne urges us to choose not to suffer when we don't have to, but to instead direct toward the good and look at our troubles from a different aspect. In short, to give them no power that we ourselves control. This is, I think, some very, very good advice. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe, this is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod, or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.